Topic 19. First Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Phyllis Vincelli. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 19. First Paper. The Negro as a Laborer. By Professor N. W. Harley. The subject of this sketch was born a slave in Robeson County, near Lumberton, North Carolina, July 15, 1852. His father was a Methodist preacher who exhorted the plantation slaves and was noted as a natural mathematician. His mother was deeply religious. Mr. Harley is a self-made man, for he taught himself to read and write after being taught to spell about a third through Webster's blue-back spelling book, and with this small beginning he laid the foundation for a collegiate education and for the active work of life. In 1881, he was elected Register of Deeds in Richmond County, North Carolina, where he had taught school for a number of years, and in 1882 was appointed United States Postal Clerk on the Carolina Central Railway and transferred to Charlotte, Columbia, and Augusta Railway, which position he held till 1885. In 1879, he was graduated at the Biddle University, Charlotte, North Carolina, with honors. In 1885, he went to Texas and engaged in the profession of teaching, and served for a number of years as principal of the Grammar School No. 2 of Dallas, Texas. Afterward, he was promoted to the principalship of the Colored High School of the Dallas City Public Schools, which position he now holds. Professor Harley has taken an active part in the educational work of his state and has served as president and secretary of the Teachers' State Association of the State of Texas. He has also held the position of superintendent of the Colored Department of the Texas State Fair for eight years and still holds that position. He is a practical staff reporter on the Dallas Morning News, Dallas, Texas. Mr. Harley was married to Miss Florence Bell Coleman of Dallas, Texas, 1891, and has three children, Lucretia, Chauncey Depew, and Norman W., Jr. He is the author of Harley's Tree of History, a new and graphic method of teaching history. Also, Harley's Simplified Long Division, a new graphic method of teaching long division. Also, Harley's Diagram System of Geography. He has for a number of years advocated the establishment of a state university for the youth of Texas and is also working with the Reverend W. Lomas and D. Rowans to establish an industrial school for his people at Dallas. He is also chairman of the YMCA Board of Education of Dallas, and along with Mr. Rice, Darrell, Polk, 
weems and anderson is conducting a successful y m c a night school for all ages and sexes for two hundred and fifty years the american negro has been a drawer of water and a hewer of wood he felled the trees and turned the forest into fields of cotton and corn he drained the swamps and turned them into fields of rice he graded the highways and made them possible for railroad transit and traffic in summer he was to the white man his owner an umbrella in winter to the same owner he was his winter wood and always a ready servant with hand and brawn as bread and meat and shelter the question of labor is one of bread and meat to the breadwinner it means much to the unemployed it often lends a charm for crime for after all the unemployed needs food clothing medicine a shelter and employment alike for body and mind but the subject of labor is not a new one and indeed it has been made a question of many complex phases introduced by prejudice from white trade unions also climate makes an important factor hence the different sections of our country employ to a large extent different kinds of labor suited to the prevailing industries thrift and enterprises we may consider at once the two general classes of labor the crude and the skilled for generations the black man as a crude laborer raised king cotton in the cotton fields of the south he has had no competition as a crude laborer he still holds a trust on the fleecy staple his right there is none to dispute but to-day a new and brighter era opens before us we are to manufacture cotton as well as raise it we are to advance and keep pace with the mental training of our children and provide employment for them in every avenue as the turk weaves his carpet and darns his shawl and as the chinese prepares his silk so the black youth must be trained to change cotton into cloth trained hands and trained minds are inseparable companions if we educate our boys and girls we create in them a desire we thrust upon them a stimulus which pushes them out into the active world and if only with polished brain and soft hands they wander from place to place seeking the shady side of active stern reality since we by educating our boys and girls create new appetites new desires new activities we set in motion new forces then we ought the more to create new enterprises open new avenues establish new business or improve the old so as to meet the new relations the awakened appetites the growing activities and the employment of the new forces in the culture of cotton and the establishment of cotton mills we commit a crime by creating appetites and then failing to appease them the education of our children should no longer be a mere theory but a matter of real practical nature such as will benefit the breadwinner the home-seeker the higher citizenship 
the welfare of the greatest number. While I favor the higher education of the youth of the nation, I also think the youth ought to learn trades, to wear the overalls at the forge, at the workbench, to adjust the machinery in the workshop and the factory. I would have the youth able to design and build a house as well as to live in one, to raise potatoes as well as to eat them, to produce as well as consume. For many years the great majority of the youth must be common laborers, whatever their education, whatever their social condition or station. Then it follows, as the day follows the night, that they should be educated with the trend of the mind and in connection with environment. In the days of slavery, many of our young men and women were trained along certain lines. The young men, such as skilled carpenters, blacksmiths, stonemasons, bricklayers, and the like, and the young women were trained in dressmaking and the like, and these boys and girls grew up having a kind of monopoly in their respective lines, although controlled by their owners. But for a quarter of a century very little attention has been paid to trade learning in many sections of the South. This condition confronts us today. However, it is claimed that it is no fault of the children that they do not learn trades, and it is further urged by many parents that the blame does not lie at their hands, but that it is the fault of the times, of conditions and circumstances, and still others claim that the trade unions are the main cause. Many claim that, if their children are trained along certain lines, they will be debarred by the opposition of the trade unions. But these excuses seem too trivial. The opposition of the labor organizations should urge greater activity in superior trade learning in every pursuit, so that when the white striker walks out of the shops, the black man, skilled, trusted and tried, should walk in and demonstrate his ability to do better and more work than the outgoing striker. We are to take no steps backward in industrial and intellectual progress in the opening days in the dawn of the new century. A thinking people is a prosperous people. We are to be measured by what we can accomplish, not by the color of the skin, the texture of the hair, the color of the eye, or the contour of the head. But we are to be measured as skilled farmers, mechanics, printers, artists, and scholars. This age demands substantial progress in every department of industry, in the home, at the fireside, in the shop, and on the farm. To labor with skill, to facilitate and hasten its benign results with trained hands and cultivated brain, must ever be the fiery incentive of our people, in order that they may keep abreast of the times in all practical operations as skilled laborers and, as such, vindicate their usefulness as citizens. As laborers and citizens, the black face must stand for integrity in the community the emblem of sterling worth, the black diamond intrinsic in value. The time has come when one person ceases to employ another because he is of color, but he employs the one who can give more than value received. 
The race needs to bring the hand and the head nearer together. The boy who has completed a college education should, in the course of time, raise more corn to the acre, if he be a farmer, than his uneducated father for his knowledge of geology should better fit him to know the condition and nature of the soil if a mechanic his knowledge of geometry and of physics should enable him to be an adept the question of labor during the last few years has become in many respects intensely sectional north of the mason and dixon's line the color of the skin has to do with the employment of the colored man along certain lines of skilled labor. While this is true in the South, the prejudice is not so rank as in the North, except where the colored laborer comes in contact with the Yankee or the foreigner. End of Topic 19 First Paper